The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are about to enter a world of straight talk, compelling issues, and real solutions. Welcome to Power of Peace Radio with your host, Kit Cummings. Each week, we will tackle the issues that you've been talking about. We bring desperately needed hope and peace to our youth and our communities. Now, here is Kit Cummings. Good evening, everybody. Power Peace Radio. My name is Kit Cummings, your host and co-host, Zoran Pledger. We're coming to you live tonight from Atlanta, Georgia. We're very, very excited to, to have our listeners on tonight. We have a great guest, actually uh, uh, two guests that um, have a really, really cool connection. But um, just want to encourage you that um, I'm glad that you decided to spend some time with us. Power Peace Radio is about finding peace in this uh, hectic world where a lot of things are trying to, to steal it. You know, we're bombarded with all kind of information throughout the day, and there's a lot going on in the world. And without a specific strategy and without focus and attention, uh, we can get to a place where we just... Um, it's tough. It's tough to keep that peace. And, and uh, this is all about solutions. Uh, tonight, you're going to hear a, a, few, a few wonderful people that we're going to be talking about solutions. And especially, we tend to, not all of the show, but we tend to focus on young people. And because they're coming up in a world that is um, uh, so much different than those of my generation and our parents' generation uh, grew up with. And technology has changed the whole world and what they have access to and what they can talk about and how quickly it's easy to touch somebody all across the world. And so um, this is a show uh, about the, a piece that is powerful because a lot of people look at that word and think, man, you know, peace is kind of fluffy and just, uh, you know, cool, serene. And it is, but there's power in peace. And some of the icons that we follow, some of the most powerful men and women in the world, Dr. King, Mahatma Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, Mother Teresa, Dalai Lama, and those that um, have gone before us and some that are still doing it, uh, they show us that peace is very, very powerful. Um, I wanted to give a little update, and then I'm going to introduce our co-host, and then he's going to go into uh, a wonderful guest uh, that we have tonight. And I just got off the road, come back from Michigan, and um, had an amazing tour. The Power Peace Project brings hope and light into sometimes dark and dangerous places, and sometimes into places where people don't even believe it's possible uh, to have peace. And this past, in the last week, I was in Michigan, western Michigan, and in one week, uh, I was at middle schools, and I was at high schools, I was at jails, I was at a men's transitional center, a couple days at a youth detention center, and then also at uh, three different prison events where we saw 250 inmates sign their peace pledge, put on the Power of Peace band, and take their stand. And over the next 40 days, they're going to be working with their rivals. And these are rival, sometimes gang members, sometimes gang leaders, white, black, and brown, Christian, Muslim, Jew. And they work together for 40 days, and miracles happen. And I get to witness it and get to take um, Power of Peace team in to see some of this. And 
We also do it in schools and um, give you a little bit of flavor of what this community is like. I was invited because there's violence going on in this community in Michigan. And this could be anywhere USA, but um, imagine if your kids went to a school, and some of our listeners, this, this might be the case, where your kid plays football and um, you play on Friday nights, Friday night lights, and a good team in this uh, little community called Muskegon Heights. And twice this year, the opposing team has canceled the game and refused to come to this neighborhood, to this school, because they don't feel like it's safe to bring their, their players and their fans. And that's where these kids grow up. And after I do our Power the Peace presentation, we do this assembly. We get all the kids together and we shout, hope is the new dope, and we throw up peace signs. And this week, um, I mean, we found a lot of laughter in it. It's not really funny, but we try to, you know, we try to bring joy into these kids' lives. We, I had to take three shots of this selfie that's kind of the trademark of kids behind me shouting, hope is the new dope, because they kept throwing up gang signs. And I would stop them and say, all right, we're going to take one more. No gang signs, just peace signs. And finally, they did it, except for one joker was in there. I, I put it up all over Facebook and Twitter, and I found out there was one gang sign in the shot. So that was... But anyway, that just gives you an idea of, uh, of where the power piece goes. We're excited tonight. The, um, the episode description, I'll kind of lay it out. Over the last, uh, over 50 years ago, Dr. King stirred the imagination of a young generation and aroused the conscience of a nation. His dream still inspires millions to this day. What does it take to bring about the fulfillment of a dream? How do we create something out of nothing? And what about the next generation? Are we raising dreamers and peacemakers in this age of skepticism and criticism? The young need role models who are making a difference, not just making money. This week on Power Peace Radio, we'll be discussing the anatomy of a dream and the difference between being successful and being truly significant. And so I'm very excited, but I want to tell you, um, I've got a co-host. His name is Zaron Pledger. If we call him Z. Um, same guy tonight, and um, he's got a friend on. And so Ron and I met at a at a power piece. Uh, we were invited to a King event on Morehouse College and at the King Chapel, and it was about bringing together cops and communities. So Ron works for uh, Congressman Hank Johnson, and we met there, and we instantly bonded. We became friends. We started dreaming together, and that uh, led to this partnership here. And and so um, I'm going to turn it over to Zaron. He's going to introduce our guest. And, um, again, thank everybody for coming on with us tonight. Z, take it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. As you know, we have our guest, Mr. Derek Crones. What's up, Derek? Hey, how's it going? Good, man. Good. We, I just want to start out by introducing you. Um, it's funny to, to say that Derek is a veteran because he's still a young man, but Derek is a, a veteran in the Atlanta music scene. He has had success in many roles. He began his music career as a manager for a multi-platinum selling and Grammy-nominated recording artist, the Yin Yang Twins. He created Rockford Management Incorporated and handled the act during the two platinum albums, Me and My Brother and United States of Atlanta. Rockford Management also obtained another multi-platinum act in Soldier Boy Tell'em. Crooms managed the artist during the platinum-selling freshman and sophomore albums. There's Crooms' brother, super producer, the label executive, Michael, Mr. College Park. Crooms worked together since DJ since he was a DJ Smurf as an artist. Together, they have seen several platinum-selling singles and albums. Derek served as A&R for Mr. College Park, the label, College Park Music, and Derek Crooms continues to work with young Atlanta music talent. 
Mr. College Park going back to his DJ roots and production, the duo will continue to be heard. As we talk about, as Kit just talked about there, you know, we talked about the anatomy of a dream. So really with this, I just want to kind of jump in. When I think about the term anatomy, I think about structure or the internal workings of something. Uh, the structure, The structure of the anatomy is like a how-to for me, uh, because anatomy is so marveling. So with you, let's talk about how Derrick Crooms became a part of a structure that produced hit songs, platinum records, top-selling artists. Let's kind of tell the listeners a little bit about how that happened, came to be. Well, I think, you know, um, first and foremost, um, I was brought up to dream. And I think, you know, especially when we talk about our youth today, um, a lot of people don't, they, they're not taught to dream. Um, a lot of our youth are scared to dream, you know. Um, and I was, I was always encouraged to dream. And that, that was the first start of it. But um, I was um, in corporate America, and I always, I worked at a, as a, um, an accountant for a Fortune 500 company. Uh-huh. And I always had one foot in, one foot out in the music. And finally, um, my brother asked me to come out and um, be a road manager for his then act, um, Yin Yang Twins. And I started off with um, that, being the road manager um, for Yin Yang Twins. And not even a month or two later, I was their manager. And that, that really oh. started me off into the music industry. Okay, okay. Oh, that's good. That's good stuff. And um, I, I was listening to one. I, I appreciate what you say, Derek, about um, dreamers. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I can't. I, I, it took me a minute to get there. When I was young, I was uh, an athlete, but I just quickly got involved in um, alcohol and drugs and, and just lost my way for a while. I was able to go to college and because I, I lived in an area where everybody went to college, but I still, you know, developed a problem which was stealing my ability to dream. And a lot of these young kids that, you know, are growing up believing, you know, certain things about, you know, weed and alcohol and everybody does it. Uh, they can be dream killers. They can steal your passion. And so I appreciate, you know, what you shared about that. But the other thing that stood out is, and I want the young people to hear this, you were an accountant with a Fortune 500. Yeah. So you paid your dues and became a businessman. <laughs> and then you went into hip hop. That's not what a yes. lot of people think. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, man, I'm just going to, you know, bump school. I'm just going to get into, I'm going to go to the league or I'm going to become a rap star, <laughs> you know. Oh, and, no, um, oh, no. And they don't realize there's a, it's a treacherous road. So I would love for you to... You know, tell the young people who dream one day, it doesn't have to be just music, but a lot of them believe these kids in Muskegon that I was talking to, so many of them said, man, I'm going to the league, but they're not even necessarily going to graduate high school. What are some of the big pitfalls or temptations that you've seen with some of your artists um, who are beginning right about the time they start to hit? Well, it's, it's mentality. You know, um, I think um, first and foremost, fame, I've never, it's not about the money. The money don't change people as much as fame does. Hmm. And I think, you know, with fame comes, comes a lot of pitfalls. A lot of, you attract a lot of unwanted attention. Um, where you think you want it, but at, in the end, it's not really wanted. I think it, I can relate that back to a lot of the kids that I, I deal with today. I, I, you know, I would see a kid get jumped into a gang or something like that, and then they want to get out, then you trying to find somebody to intercede to get the help get them out the game. So they thought they wanted the attention, 
you know, but once you get in it, then you want out, and it's not like that. It's not that easy. Same thing with an artist. Mm -hmm. Tell us about, um, if you remember any specific times on the road, and, um, you know, you don't have to go into too much specific, where you saw someone starting to slip when they reached that point. I mean, have you had artists that you felt like had the talent, they had that it thing, but they couldn't handle, you know, what you're talking about, all the attention and all that comes with it, people coming at you and everything? I think um, a lot of lot of times, I've seen several people that, I've managed um, that you haven't even heard of because of that. Mm. You know, <laughs> yeah. they think they're there, you know, and it's like, hey, <laughs> hey, dude, we just, we're at, um, in the second inning of probably going to be extra innings, you know? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, and they jump the gun and, then, you know, once you um, carry yourself and you, you think you deserve something um, that you're, you haven't even worked for, um. Then, then it's gonna end abruptly. Hard yeah. work. Nobody can stop hard work, and I always believe that. You know, if you're working hard, you can you can overcome any obstacle. And this is with artists. Most of the times, if they if they they reach a certain level that they're comfortable with, and you're trying to get them to a uh, uh, Miley Cyrus status, <laughs> you know. Uh, If you're trying to get, I'm sorry, you guys. If That's you're all right. To you're get good. A, if you're trying to get them to a Miley Cyrus status, then, um, you know, they just stop all of a sudden. And, you know, of course, you're not going to get nowhere. You know, it, it, it just what, ends abruptly and you won't even hear of them. What, what, what's a particular time? And you don't have to call anybody's name, but, like, what's a particular time when something happened and in your mind you thought, like, okay, this guy's about to be a superstar. Or on the opposite end, something happens and you're like, you know what? This is it's, it's officially done for him. This guy is officially on the decline. Well, I will, way, um, I will tell you, um, I'll go into detail and I'll, I'll say um, Soldier Boy. I have no problems with saying that. His first two albums... Um, his first two albums were, were great and they were all clean. So we put an image out, and we we received what we had put out. We had yeah. we had everybody in the palm of our hands, and we had a we had a talk with Soldier Boy, uh, me and my brother, and we asked him. We said, um, "Now you have all of this influence. What are you going to do with it?" Mm -hmm. And he looked at he, when he looked at me and said, "What do you mean?" I knew that was it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Because there was no connect. You know, we were on something totally different than what he was on. Mm -hmm. He was he was where he wanted to be. And we're he not he had like, man, now we have the platform for greatness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Absolutely. I was um it was a kind of a awakening, like a cold shot of water in the face when i came back i got off the plane on thursday night and i'd spent uh, a week man i was still just flying you know how it is when when you're on the road and things are just hopping and and i got back and i was late and tired but but the next morning i had to get up and and i went down off of for those that know atlanta west Paces ferry i mean right down and that's one of the nicest places in atlanta 
and I was doing a middle school down there. And it was such uh-huh. night and day, man. And so uh, it was called All Pro Dads. And Tony Dungy started this. I mean, uh, oh. just an incredible person that those that know Coach Dungy and the impact he's made. Very spiritual man and um, uh, incredible character. And he started this, and it's nationwide. It's an incredible program. But these these were kids of influence, man. And um, and their parents, you know, they said, hey, Father, stand up and introduce your son and tell us, you know, a little something good about him and, and think about, you know, I'm, I'm I'm getting with a bunch of people. They had to call off football games because of gang violence, and they're throwing up signs, and we're trying to do peace signs. And then all of a sudden, I'm down there, and you know, nicest part of Atlanta, and the gentleman stands up and said, uh, "Yeah, this is my son Tim, and we just got back from a ski vacation, and I'm so proud of him because he said yes sir and no sir to the waiters." And and I was like, everybody was clapping, and I thought that's awesome. But I mean, wow, this is like a different world. But but I did this thing, and it speaks to what you're talking about. Is um, I said, "Dads, close your eyes." And everybody in there, and a couple of dads had their eyes open. I said, "Sir, you mind just kind of close your eyes?" And I said, "Young men, boys, keep your eyes open. These are middle school boys." And I said, "Raise your hand if you guys played Grand Theft Auto this week." And of course, all the hands go up. You know, <laughs> and, then, and then I said, "Okay, put them down." And then I said, "Fathers, open your eyes." <laughs> and then I said. And then their eyes are open, and I said, now, fathers, open your eyes. I said, you'd be surprised at what I just saw. And so you don't have to be out there being all gangster to be out, uh, down in the, you know, out in the suburbs where the kids are, they're acting like they're gangster because it's cool. Yeah. And so then a father came up to me, and he said, did you hear what happened this week? And I said, no. And he said, well, it was on the media. They, had, they did a story on it. And the boys from this very nice school, um, they they went out front. A couple of a few boys, they got their cam, you know, their, their iPods. I mean, iPhones out and whatnot. And they created this game called Fifteen Second Fights. And then the rule was for fifteen seconds you fight, and then they take a video of it, then they blasted it. And they started this little this cool thing where you know the kids are fighting. And I thought, wow. man, it's not an inner city thing. It's not a suburb thing. This is a human issue, you know, that we're dealing with. And so social media as well is, um, you know, these, these, they're connected in a way. And everybody wants to be rock stars. Everybody can go yeah. viral, man. You get a YouTube uh-huh. video, Vine video, a little Snapchat. You know, all of a sudden you're the talk of the school. But um, tell, tell me this, because I, I know that, that you, you mentioned Soldier Boy, Ying Yang Twins. These are names that stand out. You know, these guys have done it big. Um, in your career, um, if you could go back to when it was just getting started, and you can only change one thing that you've learned in your career. And this is a life lesson, you know, for the young ones. What would you change and why? Um, I'm putting you on the spot, man. I know that. <laughs> if, I could change, no, if I could change one thing, I probably, I probably would um, have my kids with me more. Oh, um, man. I've, I, in my family. And um, I've had a chance to travel the world. And um, I didn't take my I didn't take my family with me. Wow. Um, yeah. You know, I tried to keep maintain a um, as much of a basic household as an old school household as I grew up in. Um, I tried to maintain that in my house, even with my profession, me being gone for you know four to six days, coming home two three days, and then back out for four to six days. I never, you know, some of the things that um, some of the places that I've been. Um, I would have took my family with me. Let me follow up. 
how yeah. big a deal yeah. do you think this is a social issue? And people ask me this: what are, you know, what are the biggest things that are affecting our nation, especially young people? And my answer is the absent father. And mm-hmm. how do you? I, I hear you. I appreciate that answer. That's awesome. But it sounds like you know you are not an absent father, but you went through that. Um, speak to that and, and how you see the young generation, so many of them growing up with no real male role models. Yes, I, I agree with that. And, and, and um, before I used to think it was, a, it was, it was just um, dealing with the African-American community, but this is a, um, a society problem. It, it, you know, it's, it's across the board, you know. And with that, there's no... There's no um, um, we're not passing anything along. You know, I, I have things that, that I received from my grandparents, my grandfathers, you know, um, and my father that I still receive from my father that these kids don't have anything to, to compare an experience to. Well, okay, dad told me about this or my granddad told me about this or my uncle told me about this. You know, I would, I would, I would go further with, with father figure and saying male figure, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, just kind of hitting on something, I guess, that both of you guys kind of said, and I was going to uh, piggyback on something that Kit mentioned earlier about uh, some advice that was given. There was a young man that I knew, um, professional ball player, professional basketball player, and sadly to say his career ended in him actually becoming incarcerated because he wanted to be a kingpin. Um, this guy was in California walking down Rodeo Drive with all of these platinum chains and things hanging out of his out of his shirt. And Denzel Washington approached the young brother and said, hey, man, you know, don't you play professional ball? He's like, yeah, 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 you know. Um he said, I just wanted to give you one piece of advice, man. He said, don't show all your wealth around your neck. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was the most powerful thing, you know, that I've heard somebody say. And it was like, he didn't have to say anything else. So I say to you, Derek, based on your experiences traveling around the world, the things that you see, especially in the, in the young urban communities, um, what is the one piece of advice, the life lesson, that you would give to a young, talented artist who wants to have major success in this industry? Just one piece of specific advice that you would throw out there that they could ride with and say, okay, I can take that and put that under my belt, and that's something I can grow from. Well, I think a jewel to have is the the realization that don't nobody owe you anything. (laughs) I think that would be, you know, that... That sense of entitlement, and, and I think that goes with, um, you know, we can go, I could go a lot of places with this. You know, it's a government, you know what I'm saying? It's, go it's, ahead, it's, man, it's just go there. <laughs> it's, you better it's start it's it's oh, Come on, baby. <laughs> go it's ahead, a, go ahead. We're passing off and play. It's all good. Yeah, that, that, in, that sense of entitlement that a lot of young people, um, artists, young artists have um, really messes them up. It burns a lot of bridges. It burns a lot of relationships. And uh, when it's time to strap up, strap your boots up and go to work, you're not able to because you've become lazy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think that would be, you know, the main thing that I see a lot of people 
you know, mess up on, I think that sense of entitlement uh, makes them stop working and makes them lazy. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think that they believe a lie. You've got to, you know, going back to kind of this whole social media techno, you know, the, the 15, 16, 17-year-old, even 19, you know, in that, that high school, going into college age, they've mm-hmm. never known a time when everything they want to see is just one click away. And yeah. I heard a, yeah. um, a quote this weekend. It was actually at church. And uh, the pastor said, we become whatever we gaze on the most. And I thought, mm-hmm. wow, because you've got, a, you got a, a generation growing up and they've got their beats on and that's pumping information straight into the brain. And a lot of them aren't mm-hmm. even really listening to the lyrics and they're playing video games. And, and I was talking to the young people about it's gotten so lifelike. The brain doesn't know the difference in that character in you. You are you become that character while you're playing mm-hmm. and you get immersed in it and even addicted to it. Or the things that they talk about, uh, the things that they watch, you know, the TVs, the movies, and the the amount of homicide that they have seen on screen and heard about yeah. in their music and played on video is is appalling. I mean, by the time that they're 15, 17, they've seen so much violence and sex and drugs has been glorified and romanticized. And um, I think if we really do become what we gaze upon the most, that is very, very scary when we think about this uh, generation. And I think that's, that's great advice, you know, that you just gave. And, um, but you, you're there to give it. And how old are your kids, Derek? I have a um, 23-year-old son that, that has just graduated uh, with his MBA. Um, right. I have a 15-year-old son that's a Carver Early College, and then I have a 10-year-old daughter um, at, at, um, in APS as well. So uh, did you say Carver? Yes, sir. Yeah, we've done a program down there. We did a program with the football team uh, a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. It took five of those uh, kids to, to D.C. Wow, I'm sitting here at football practice right now waiting on my son. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell the coach, hey, tell Coach Kit said, hey, man, I love Coach down there, man. Oh, um, they, he runs a great program, and he – he instills discipline in these boys, and that's what they need. Hey, yeah. what's the what's the great big brother uh, that's down there that that's a coach, but he's also like one of. I mean, he takes care of those boys. He played at Mississippi State. Great big. I brother. know who you're talking about. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at him right now. Uh, oh man, <laughs> call him out. He, tell him. Tell him. Hey, I'm talking to kid. Remember, you went to DC with him. <laughs> Uh, he's a good guy, though. He he, he definitely awesome. is. He get he now he gives it to them how they need to get it. <laughs> yes, he yeah. does. And Z, when I say he's a big brother, I'm telling you, he is a big. Oh yeah, brother. I know. I hear both. I hear both of you saying, "Man, he's a big dude." I'm like, okay. Ooh. He does and though, that, man. That, he he speaks. That's the one straight. you don't want walking in the bathroom looking for you. Hey, man, I've been looking for you. You know what? It was so cool to watch him work, though. We took five of those. Uh, they had to earn it. We gave. Um, we went through the the forty days of peace, right? And every the coach would create thirty minutes for us every Tuesday before practice, and then by the end of the season, the goal was to get to the state championship. They made it to the quarters. And um, but anyway, the the team and the coaches chose um, best GPA. Well, that one was just chosen by who had the best GPA, most improved coach's choice, 
Player's Choice, and All Heart. And those five got to go. We took them to Washington, wow. This was Gary Burke, good friend of mine. Melvin Williams works with the Redskins. We got them good seats to the Redskins-Cowboys game. They stayed in a nice hotel. We, we took them to all the sites. <laughs> we did a recreation of the uh, I Have a Dream speech right on the Lincoln Memorial, and a crowd of people gathered around. And these boys were, they were celebrities at that thing. And they were, they wow. were honored for doing good. And it was a trip of a lifetime. It's in the, the new book I just released. But um, I'm so glad you said that, man. I, I admire what they're doing down at Carver. That's a tough place for some of those kids, but it's also a Oh, it place. is. Yeah. Hey, if you really want to see what real living is. Come on, Lakewood. <laughs> you come know, Lakewood. turn off the news and come that ride down University <laughs> and Pride Street. Exactly. <laughs> Doing hey, Pittsburgh yeah. and, you know, drop some of these kids off after dark and watch how fast you fill yeah. off. Sir, I tell people when they go down to Lakewood and, and see it, let's say you go down and see Soldier Boy at Lakewood, see all the people from the suburbs, they take a right, get on the highway and go north, uh, take a left and drive up on into yeah. Lakewood. Yeah, and, exactly. And oh, old, old, hey, one, uh, hey, one wrong turn, they're going to be, uh, I'll call it 911. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're definitely right about that. And that's, and that's really, that goes back to something you guys were saying earlier about, you know, they want to put up this facade like I'm hard and it's, it's like, okay, what makes that cool these days? You know, because when you really are put in that situation, how much heart do you really have? Yes. So it's like, what's the point? I want to ask you one other question, Dave, and we got a game that we want to get into. <laughs> um, you mentioned earlier about, you know, you work as an accountant, you know, Fortune 500 company, and then I know you worked A&R and you worked, management company and, and working hand-in-hand with uh, with your brother, Mike. Um, the thing that, when I'm talking to a lot of these youth, I try to dispel this false reality of what they think. They think that, really, they can wake up tomorrow and be LeBron. It's like, dude, you're not even on the basketball team. You were a senior in high school. Right. And you're not even on the basketball team, but you say you're going to be the next LeBron. It's like, okay, I'm not trying to kill your dream, but that's not a reality. LeBron was being scouted as a ninth grader. You know what I mean? So let's be real about that. Um, and what I try to make them understand is that there are a lot of different things that go into play to help LeBron become LeBron. So when I say that, I'm saying you have physical therapists, you have coaches, you have management, you have all these different people that work along with them, even with marketing. And what you said, you do a lot of these different things, and it evolved into what some people don't know about Young Mogul. So I wanted to ask you to kind of talk about that evolution, how it went from you being the road manager to uh, for the Yin Yang Twins, but evolving into you having your own record label. Just kind of briefly talk about how that, that evolution worked. Well, I had been in the game so long as, as a manager, and I, I had seen success. Um, and that was right at the time where um, we had really popped Soldier Boy. And and um, I ran into this kid, VIC, um, um, and then um, I started dealing with him a little bit, just on on an arm's length. Um, and I also um, had some some industry friends that um, some connects for major labels, and we ran into this kid, Hurricane Chris. Mm-hmm. So when Hurricane Chris came about with the A Bay Bay. Um, it was a natural progression. Uh, my brother already had a deal 
over um, with Interscope with his label. So my label took on Hurricane Chris, and we took him to um, J uh, Records, um, to Polo Grounds, and, and got that deal. That was kind of like, uh, it just fell into place. But with okay. the EIC situation, he bought me a record um, called Riding Batman, and it was just, I, I love catchy records, fun records. And mm -hmm. it was just that catchy to me. Um, it was to the point where I told her, I gave him, I signed him to a management agreement first because that's what I am, a manager. Yeah. And yeah. then I told him, um, I'll have your record deal in three months. In about mm -hmm. a month, I had three offers on the table off hmm. that one wow. song. <laughs> uh -huh. Because I believed in it, you know, and... Um, I was I was ready to put my money behind what I believed in at that time. Yeah, yeah. And for a lot of kids, even, you know, I tell kids now that want to be in the industry, I tell them, catch Marta or, or drive to the airport and sit there for a whole day. Mm -hmm. How many people you count, that's your competition today. <laughs> there you go. I like and, that. And that's the, that's the reality of, of where the rap game is. And the fans have gone down because everybody is rapping now. They listen to their own stuff. That's true. That's awesome. That is true. Well, Derek, we're gonna we're gonna put you on the spot a little bit here, man. But this is a game. Uh, uh, Z comes up with these games, right? And so <laughs> each week, I got it. You know, we're putting together the show, and of course, he's got to play the game. So, you know, this next little part, you know, this this is all on him. So, you know, if you get all you know sideways about anything, it's it's Z. It's not me. So, I mean, you know, he came up, you know, he came up with this part. So, uh, okay, this is, for those that listen regularly, Zaron's Game of the Week. Let's go. All right, this, this one right here, Derek, is my interpretation of the situation. So it's really kind of uh, let me know if you buy or sell. So we make the, we make the comment, and then you say, I ain't buying it. Uh, you know, oh, I am buying it. I'm buying it or I'm selling it. All right, the okay. first question, since we talked about Yin Yang, we're going to jump right in on that one. Will there be another similar duo to trump what Yin Yang Twin has accomplished on the College Bar Records? I ain't buying it. Yo, they are the ultimate party group. There will not be another hip hop duo or group that party like those boys party. <laughs> okay. All right, okay. tell us the worst thing you ever did on the I'm just kidding, man. I ain't going to act Hey, my son has got in the car now. <laughs> this is a bad <laughs> Zarar got, got worried there, man. I could have thrown you in the bus, man. Okay, no. Number two. All right, we're going to go to the next one. Okay, so never be another Yin Yang Twins. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, number two. Alabama A&M's band could not compete with Florida A&M's band when you were in college at A&M? I ain't buying it, Alabama. I ain't buying it. See, we were the ghetto band back then. <laughs> okay, we okay. Took, we would have took them to the streets. You know, FAMU has always been polished. Actually, when I was in Alabama A&M band, the band director was from FAM. So, you know, oh, okay. we were kind of like an offspring. But well, we would have took them to the street. 
I'll tell you, those of us that were from, as a brother of less color from up north in the suburbs, man, I just totally respect. I'm in awe of the bands at the uh, HBC. I'm just, I'm, in, I'm impressed. I'll just say that. Go ahead. Hey, 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 Derek, it's a, a quick joke that I used to say. I said, we go to the, we want to see football games. We go to the university, white university games. We want to see the bands. We go to the HBCU games. That's right. <laughs> that, hey, that's the truth. That's <laughs> right. Next question. My next question. The Atlanta Hawks are going to the NBA Finals this year. Mm. I'm buying it. Whoa! I'm going to sell it. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to sell it. I mean, okay. I'm going to sell it. Okay, gotcha. Go ahead. Am I buying or selling? Which one is I'm saying yes? I feel you. If you if you with it, you buying it
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Can you think of anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning in to the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within, but many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Should there be more to your life? Do you need a change? Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young will provide empowering commentary each week to encourage you. She will interview successful personalities from movies, television, business, technology, health, and academia. All of them have amazing stories resulting in transformed lives. You will learn how to discover real happiness, financial success, and fulfillment to live your highest purpose. Join her on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. What makes you the best you can be? Is it money? Is it success? Maybe it's love, a good career, home, and family. Could it be a bit of all of these things? Be the best you can be with Dr. Linda Sanicola, along with her featured guests, will bring you the tools that could be the answer to the questions you've been asking. You'll get to the root of some of the problems that have been keeping you from being the best you can be and tackle them head on. Listen every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You're listening to Power of Peace Radio. To reach Kit Cummings or his guest today, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Kit at kitcummings.com. Now back to Power of Peace Radio. Hey, everybody, welcome back. We um, just finished up with a great uh, first couple of segments here in the show with Derek Crooms, um, manager of acts such as uh, Yin Yang Twins and Soldier Boy. And um, it's been a great time. We laughed, but we also had some really, really good conversation, especially about young people. Um, we've got a guest here. I'm going to turn it on uh, over to Zaran, and let's talk about who we have here on the, the last part of the show. Just as Kid said, we have Mr. Derek Crooms on, and we have another Crooms on. So if you're putting those names together, this is actually the sister to Derek Crooms. Mm-hmm. And I want to tell you a little bit about her before we jump in. Uh, Charlotte Crooms, I create Dance Academy. As a matter of fact, Kid and I really could have been broadcasting live because she's there at the studio now grinding as we speak. Um, ICD is the vision and dream of the Academy's founder and headmaster, Charlotte Crooms. Ms. Crooms' passion for dance began as a child being raised in a home with five siblings who enjoyed music and dancing as entertainment. In high school, her first experience with choreography was for the marching band halftime show, as well as the drill team. This piqued her interest in pursuing not only dance, but hip-hop music also. As a teenager, Ms. Crooms was well-known throughout Atlanta as a member of various popular hip-hop dance groups. After graduation, Charlotte auditioned as a background dancer for LaFace Records, that's Babyface the L.A. Reads label, first R&B group, Damien Dame, landing the job and catapulting her career. 
As a professional dancer, she began producing choreography for many major recording artists and major labels, such as Sony and Motown. With over 20 years in the music industry, Ms. Coons now educates and inspires young girls through the dance. What's going on, Charlotte? How are you? I'm awesome. I'm awesome. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We don't have no music in the background. You had to step out. You had to step to the third level. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't be able to hear me if I was still in there with them. <laughs> uh, for those that don't know, I've been knowing the Cruising Challenge for a while, and to me, they're like the Jacksons. You got Janet, Michael, <laughs> and Jermaine. You got Michael, Gary, and <laughs> Charlotte. <laughs> we want to jump in. I want to ask you a question, uh, Charlotte, based on the bio that I just read and gave to everyone. What is ICD? Okay. And how did your entertainment experience inspire the inception of ICD? Well, ICD is I Create Dance Academy. We, it's I Create Dreams. It's I Create Diversity. Whatever it is you want to create, that's what we do. Um, I grew up watching Janet Jackson, Michael Jackson, you know, mimicking the moves. Um, never really had any personal training, um, but I just knew I wanted to dance. I knew I wanted to teach. And once I had my daughter, it was a wrap. I was like, okay, I have to do this because I was paying for her to go to different academies and different programs, and she would at some point become unhappy because whatever reason. So, you know, with being in the community, I was finding that a lot of young girls wanted to dance. They just couldn't afford it. So I wanted to give back to the community, and I Create Dance Academy was born. That cool. is, that's awesome. And um, it's so cool, uh, Charlotte, to, to have just connected with um, with Derek. And then, I mean, I am very impressed with your family. You must have uh, <laughs> incredible mm-hmm. parents and grandparents. And um, it, is, yes. it, it is wonderful to hear about and the way you guys are impacting young people. And so um, congratulations. Just uh, sounds like you, you deserve so a good success. And then, you know, you grew up trying to imitate the Michael Jackson. I got to tell you, I've got a little four-year-old grandson. And, man, he is he, he is. <laughs> Pop, I mean, we have such a good time, and and I've you know what I've turned him on to thriller. All he wants to watch is thriller, <laughs> baby. Nineteen eighty two, you know, and we're watching. They're learning thriller. that dance. <laughs> young man. He wants to watch it all the time. Tell us real quick in in the years. I mean, you've probably got a million of them, but if you want to tell you know one story about. Uh, maybe a young girl or a young lady that you saw uh, I Create Dance just transform her life. Maybe somebody who was going through a rough stretch or came from a really tough situation and the transformation you saw. People love overcomer stories. Well, I have one young lady that came in, um, self-esteem very low, would never look up. She came in on um, her first few Saturdays. She would just stand she would just stand and, you know, my daughter and I, we were just like, wow, something must be going on. Um, pulled her to the side, got to talking to her, and she was like, I can't do this. I can't do that. Anytime I try to sing, I'm told I can't sing. Anytime I try to dance, I'm told I can't dance. So we really just focused on her outside of the class, and her self-esteem began to build. You know, she started feeling confident. And now she's a part of our hip-hop group, ICD. And it's seven girls. And the transformation was phenomenal. Her mom was like, I don't know what you're doing, 
but keep doing it, please. (laughs) (laughs) She's no longer looking down at the ground. Um, She's smiling, just sings her heart out, dances her heart out. And it's been a couple of those, you know. um, They're just some of the stories are really heartbreaking. And it's things that, you know, unless it's serious, they're like, well, don't tell my mom because, you know, and it's not anything serious. It's just they feel like they're unable to reach their full potential in whatever it is. And we have a mentoring program as well. So it's not just dancing. You know, it's life skills, etiquette, all of that included. Mm. Um, You mentioned earlier about your your, your daughter. A lot of people don't know that your daughter is extremely involved in the choreography and things that you do. Uh, Does your daughter's involvement make you have a different perspective on how you want to help these young ladies believe in themselves and understand the greatness that lives within them? being the fact that, of course. You know, how you deal with her? Of course. Um, my daughter had a lot of insecurities. Um, when we first started I Create Dance Academy, she didn't think she would be able to teach. And um, for a while it took her like a year to say, okay, Mom, I can do it. And that's because she felt that she couldn't, not because I wasn't telling her how good she was or, you know, You have to, if God gives you a talent, you have to use it. You have to use it to help other people. And so now the other girls that have been coming here for years, you know, they're reaching out to girls in their community, helping them with their self-esteem. But, yes, my daughter plays a big part in I Create Dance Academy. You know, she's very good with with the young girls and her peers as well. And uh, you might have said this, uh, forgive me, how old is your daughter and what's her name? She's 14 and her name is Tori. What a great gift to give her at that age. Because, you know, I'm working, I was telling in the first um, part of the show about working with that age group right there, 12, 13, 14, 15. And, and so many of these kids, um, they don't have anybody in their lives consistently. And I don't just mean the kids in the inner city that, that are, are, are in these little towns that are uh, going through generational poverty and, and a lot of them kind of raising themselves. That is true. But we've got it in the suburbs, too, where you don't have involvement. And, uh, you know, you hear the lingo of the kids and they'll say, um, you know, I see you. You know, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Or, or you feel me? You feel me? I mean, it comes across mm-hmm. their language and they don't necessarily hear what they're saying. It just becomes kind of, or I got you. You know, and I, I take, we build right. in the prisons and in the schools, those uh, those three um, they want to be seen. I mean, kids just want to be visible. And so many of them feel yes. invisible right now. Like nobody sees me. Nobody feels me. Nobody's got me. Right. And what I hear is you giving a, these kids an environment where you do see them and you see what's in them and you bring it out. And that's a beautiful thing. Where do you see I Create Dance in the next three to five years? What's your vision um, you know, for what this could become? And just tell us your, your wildest dream for it. I would love to be, well, to have a performing arts school, community center, slash, however you want to say it. Um, There's so many girls out there that, like you said, they feel invisible, and um, they don't have a place to go, so they sit at home on the phones or playing video games. I see us growing. I see us growing as a performing arts school. That's my wildest dream. <laughs> and we do give out scholarships. I give out at least two scholarships a year. 
That's awesome, man. What is that yeah. like? What, tell me about how that works. If you give a scholarship, what does you know break that down for us? What does that give them? That gives them an entire year of free tuition at I Create Dance Academy. <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, how do you yeah. find how do you find the um, the recipients? Well, we look at who's going through. Uh, well, there are different things we do look at. Sometimes it's if the parents, um, I have a lot of single parents, single moms, um, if they can afford it or not. Then there may be just a young dancer that um, we look at and say, okay, she may come to the summer dance program, but may not come throughout the year. And to keep her active and, and just growing and getting better and better, we'll give her the scholarship. That's okay. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, just on that note, how might listeners get their girls involved? If they're interested in, you know, doing the Saturday classes or you mentioned the summer camp, um, and obviously you're doing something now on a Monday night. So how do, um, how would a, how would a mother or father or grandparent get their, their kids involved or their daughter involved? They could go to the website, icreatedanceacademy.com. And everything is on the website. Um, gives you background about the academy, the contact information, admissions. They can find everything on the website. Awesome. Okay. Well, we want to thank you, Charlotte, and um, it's been wonderful having you on. And I appreciate what you do. I admire you, respect you, and just keep on doing it. I know it sounds you're like us. You couldn't stop if you wanted to. It's your passion. It's your dream. <laughs> And no, I'll be there, dancing when I'm 90. <laughs> <laughs> we want to see your, your team one of these days. So thank you so much. We're going to um, bring this, uh, this wonderful show to a close. We've got a couple minutes here. Um, I want to share with a, a story from this past week, and um, specifically in the prisons up in western Michigan. Um, we just saw 250 men um, that are doing a hard time that took a stand for peace and signed a peace pledge and began to work with one another. And, and you know, one of the things that, that we teach is we don't, uh, we fear what we don't understand. I fear you if I don't understand you. And we don't understand one another if we don't communicate. And we don't communicate if we don't get close enough, you know, to see one another and walk together. And that's what the Power Peace Program does. And Peace Behind the Wire is my latest book. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Apple iBooks, Peace Behind the Wire. And it tells the story of the power of peace. But we do an exercise in there. We pair people up uh, with somebody who doesn't look like them, maybe the old and the young, or white and black, or maybe Christian, uh, Muslim. And they interview one another. And you've got to ask the question, tell me about one of the most fascinating days in your life. And then you have to ask questions and pay attention. And we teach them to actively listen. That means eye contact, body language, nodding, you know, asking questions. And then the interviewer has to get up and tell the story of the brother that they interviewed. And man, they laugh and we, you know, we give each other our time. And But it's so cool to see older brothers and younger brothers and a white blood brother and a black brother or, you know, like I said, a Christian brother, a Muslim brother. We get close enough. It's hard to hate up close. We hate at a distance because if I can see you and I, and I get close enough uh, to feel you through your story, 
then it's amazing because they walk through the yard over the next 40 days and they see one another and give the the head nod. You know, it's like, yeah, I see you, man. We can't really maybe hang on the yard right now, but I but I see you. And, and they're, they're cool with one another just for a minute. And after 40 days, a change begins to occur, and it is a beautiful thing. And we saw this old convict that had done a lot of time and this young brother who had just gotten in, you know, filled with juice. And they got up. And the older brother talked about this younger brother, and it was like he had found a young man. And it it's just uh, tears to your eyes. So Power Peace Project. Zoran, thank you, co-host. Thank you to the crooms for a great, great show. Young people, keep the dream alive. Be the change you wish to see. And tune in next week for another Power Peace radio show. God bless. Be the change you wish to see in the world. Peace out. Thank you for tuning in to Power of Peace Radio. We hope you've become inspired to make a change in your world. Spread the word and make sure to tune in to our next show. We're live every Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment Channel. Be the change you wish to see. And remember, hope is the new dope. <laughs>